Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. But before I read that to you, please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus, who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As children, we begin our lives believing that our parents are supposed to have all the answers. Maybe there are times as parents when we believe we're supposed to have all the answers for our children, which makes it more difficult in those moments when our children ask us complicated questions or when they ask us questions where the answer is simply, I don't know. But that certainly happens for all of us from time to time, and it can be unsettling when we have to tell our children, I don't know. I can remember an instance when I was a child where we were sitting in worship and the minister asked all of the children in the children's moment to go home and ask our parents about the doxology. Well, as true Claytons, my brother and I forgot all about that assignment until the next Sunday when we were getting ready for worship and we realized we were supposed to go and ask our parents about the doxology. And so we ran into our parents' room and we saw our father getting ready for church and we asked him, Dad, tell us about the doxology, help us learn it. My father knew we were running late, and so he simply said, Son, I don't know. Ask your mom. Well, later that Sunday morning, we found ourselves in worship, and when the minister called us all forward for the children's moment, he asked each of us if we had learned about the doxology. My brother very proudly raised his hand, and he told the minister that my father told him he did not know it. Well, the minister was a good friend of ours and had a great sense of humor, and so he asked my brother to stand up and point out my father to the rest of the congregation. As you might imagine, everybody laughed. But sometimes that's the answer to our questions. I don't know. When we face uncertainty, even though we want the answer, even though we need the answer and we pray for answers, sometimes the answer is just, I don't know. 
Will I get that job that I've always wanted? Well, I don't know. Or when will I find somebody that I love that can love me back? The answer is I don't know. Or will I get into the college that I want to get into? I don't know. Or will my son be all right? I don't know. Will the treatment work this time? I don't know. How much more time do I have left? I don't know. I feel like I don't know is all around us today in the uncertain world that we live in. When we ask questions like, when will we be able to come back to worship? Or how dangerous really is it out there? Or why are we dealing with so much strife and pain? Sometimes the answer is, I just don't know. And that can be unsettling, even hurtful, worrying for all of us. It's that kind of world, that uncertainty of this world that Paul was writing to when he wrote the 8th chapter of Romans. He's writing to an uncertain world, a world full of questions, not only about this life, but questions about the next life too. And in the midst of all of that uncertainty, Paul wants to give us something that we can be sure of. Sure of beyond a shadow of a doubt. He tells us that we can be certain that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I am convinced, I am sure, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us we can be sure of that. In a world full of uncertainty, we can be sure that God loves us and that God always will. I wish I could tell you that we live in a world that is sure of that, even that I'm sure of that all the time. But the truth of the matter is, when we look at the world around us, we live in a world where most people are not sure of that. I have to believe if we were sure of that, we, were, we would be living in a different world and you would be able to see it in the way we treat other people. But the truth is the world teaches us a very different lesson, that love is not unconditional, but our love and our worth actually is very conditional. Conditional on lots of different things, sometimes very superficial things that we try to earn, like power or money or influence or popularity. And sometimes that love and worth is, is conditional on things that we really have no control over, like our gender or our race. The world teaches us that love is conditional, and yet God tells us, Paul tells us, that the love of Jesus Christ is unconditional. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Even when we disappoint God, even when we make mistakes, even when we do things that we know we're not supposed to do, even when God gets angry with us from time to time, God still loves us, and God always will. And if we truly believed that, if we truly were sure of that, then we would be able to see a difference. We would be able to see a difference, not just in the way we live our lives, but more importantly, the way we treat other people. There's an old parable that seminary students learn right before they're going off to their, their first job interview with their first church. It goes something like this. A search committee was searching for their new pastor, and they had narrowed it down to two candidates, two well-deserving candidates, both very smart and intelligent, made great grades in school. They had many gifts, and it was very hard to distinguish which one was the best one for the congregation. 
there was a theology professor on that committee, and that theology professor knew a way to distinguish between the two. And so in the first interview with that first candidate, he asked the question, he, he pointed out to a person, a random person, a stranger walking up and down the street, and he said, using your theology, describe that stranger to us, using your theology and your understanding of God. That first student, that first candidate said, well, you're thinking of John Calvin and thinking of total depravity, his answer was, even if that person doesn't know it, that person is a sinner and needs God's grace and forgiveness. They brought the second candidate in for their final interview and asked the same question, pointing to another person walking up and down the street. And he said, using your theology, describe that person to us. And that candidate answered a little differently. He said, whether that person knows it or not, that person is a child of God, loved by God, and always will be. The theology professor looked at the, the rest of the committee and said, both answers are truthful, but the second candidate will be the better candidate for us because that candidate will spend his life trying to teach us that all of those nobodies in the world are actually somebody. That's what Paul is trying to teach each and every one of us in spite of the uncertainty of the world that we are still somebody to God. Even when we feel like we're nobody to the rest of the world, we're still somebody to God. God's love never fails, and there's nothing that we can do to revoke that love. No matter what other people think of us, no matter how other people treat us, maybe not even how we see ourselves, God's love never fails, and we are somebody when it comes to the heart of God. We've, trying to, we've been trying to teach that lesson to our children for many years, it's a, a lesson that we've taught again and again, and I dare say it's a lesson that a few adults need to learn now. Back in the 1950s, there was a minister in Atlanta named William Borders, and he wrote a beautiful poem called I Am Somebody. And 20 years later, they were using that poem on Sesame Street to teach that lesson to children that you are somebody just the way you are. I'd like for you to, to listen to that lesson now. Listen to it from a clip from Sesame Street. Yeah. Ready on the stump? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I am somebody. I am somebody. I may be poor. I may be poor. But I am somebody. I may be young. But I am somebody. I may be on welfare, but I am somebody. I may be small, but I am somebody. I may make a mistake, but I am somebody. My clothes are different. My face is different. My hair is different, but I am somebody. I am black, brown, white, I speak a different language, but I must be respected, protected, never rejected, I am God's child, I am somebody, give yourself a big hand. I am somebody. 
You are somebody. I am somebody to God. You are somebody to God. That's what Paul is trying to teach us in this passage, that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Even when the world thinks that we're nobody, even when I might think that I'm nobody, I am somebody because God loves me and God always will. And if we were sure of that, if we truly believed that, then the world would be able to tell. They'd be able to tell not because all of our prayers are answered, not because our lives are simple or easy. They would be able to tell because we would be spending our lives trying to reassure other people that they're loved too. That was certainly the case for a woman named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was born long before the Civil War up in New York State, but she was a a little child and at the age of three years old had a terrible illness where she lost her sight. And so from the age of three through the rest of her life, she was blind. She grew up in a poor family, and and just a few years after that terrible illness, her father died, and so she was a poor blind child raised by her mother and her grandmother. And those two important women in her life knew that the only way she would be able to carry on is that they took her to church every single Sunday and heard the valuable truths of the gospel that Jesus Christ loved her and always would. So Fanny Crosby grew up hearing the beautiful music of the church, grew up hearing the words of scripture in her mind, and she became a wonderful poet herself. She was so overwhelmed by the grace and the love of God that she used her poems, sold them, and took the money to raise money for other people who were hurting just like she was. Other blind people to to create schools for the blind and to create help for people in need all around her. She didn't let the illnesses and the pain and the suffering of her life stop her. Those things, that uncertainty in our world that would normally cause us all to turn inward on ourselves, she turned outward and continued to tell others that they were loved, just like she was. There's an old legend where somebody came up to her near the end of her life and asked her, if you were able to be able to see just one more time, what would you want to see? If you were able to regain your sight, what would would be the first thing you wanted to see? And Fanny Crosby said, Someday I will regain my sight, and the first thing I will see will be the face of Jesus my Lord. Fanny Crosby was sure, sure, all throughout her life, in spite of the obstacles and the challenges that she faced, she was sure that Jesus Christ loved her, and she was sure that Jesus Christ would love her and hold on to her in the next life too. She was sitting one day in the parlor of a friend of hers, a friend of hers who was also a wonderful musician who wanted to play a little tune for Fanny Crosby. And so she sat down on the piano and started playing. And as she played, Fanny stopped her and said, I know what that song is saying. It's saying, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance. Assurance that God's love has a hold on us. Assurance that God's love is irrevocable. Assurance that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Each and every day of our lives, we go out into an uncertain world. But we are called as disciples of Jesus Christ to to carry certainty with us. To be sure every single day that nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, any virus, any suffering, any hatred, any racism, what anybody else might think of us, anything that we're born with, anything that we can't control, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. In a world full of I don't knows, that's something we can be sure of. And our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ is to be sure of it and then to go out into the world and reassure others that they are loved too. Thanks be to God. Amen.